stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I am fresh off a trip to Universal Studios Hollywood for their holiday celebrations, and I, I had a blast. I went last night. I'm recording this the following morning. It was very fun. I know that I, as y'all know, considering we have a whole month dedicated to Shrek-sember, I do not celebrate Christmas, so a lot of Christmas theme park stuff doesn't really uh, it's not really my vibe I feel pretty weird celebrating it but Grinchmas which they have at Universal Studios Hollywood and in Orlando but Grinchmas feels a little different because there's no Santa there's just this weird old Jim Carrey impersonator in a Grinchy Grinchy outfit and I, I, I don't know I just kind of like it I like Cindy Lou Who she seems real nice <laughs> she seems real cool and the tree doesn't look like a regular tree it's all wonky it's all uh, top Turvy. I don't know. Something about Grinchmas I just find very, very charming. And I got to see the tree lighting ceremony last night, which was excellent. It was excellent. They always switch up Grinchmas a little bit every year at Universal Studios Hollywood. And this year, a lot of the buildings, I'll say, like the uh, post office and other little structures, they're all kind of behind the stage. So when you watch the tree lighting, it's a full set. Like they had some of the participants in windows just looking down and like singing and talking, which was very cool. I, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. They also do... Um, special festive stuff at Wizarding World of Harry Potter. There is a nighttime show element, which we rarely get in Universal Studios Hollywood year-round, which I have to mention, but also, more importantly, they have the, basically, it's like a Thanksgiving holiday dinner that they serve all the time during the holiday season, and it's so good. It's it's the best thing that they have at Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Hollywood, so I gotta shout that out. Also, I have had so much turkey <laughs> stuffing the past week. I hope you all have had the same. We had so many leftovers from our little four-person Thanksgiving get-together. It was all delicious. Oh my god, I, had the, I didn't know gravy was supposed to taste like that. We got gravy from this local place called Jones on 3rd in LA. Um, we picked up just a turkey, just gravy, and rolls. The rolls were like not good. I wouldn't repeat the rolls, but the gravy was unlike anything I've ever had in my life. I didn't know gravy could taste like that. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm still raving about it days later, clearly. So it, it affected me. <laughs> but with Thanksgiving behind us and Shrek's Ember slowly, not slowly, rapidly approaching right around the bend, I wanted to take this opportunity to do a second Churros Hotline episode to try to get through some of the calls that I wanted to play for so, 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 so long, but we just simply didn't have space for them. As you'll remember, the Churros Hotline episode we did a couple weeks, a handful of weeks back, maybe like a month and a half ago, um, those were all Walt Disney World related. This one is a mishmash of all things parks, all things little universal, a little other stuff, a little of everything. So I hope you have so much fun and get ready for our real holiday season to debut next week when Shrek's Ember starts. Stick around. We have so many fun calls this week. I cannot wait to share with you. Ah, what a joy. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, Carly. It's Emily from Chicago. I love the show. Um, So I was lucky enough to travel to Copenhagen this summer and see the Tivoli Gardens, which is their very old and famous amusement park. It was super cute and so much fun. Um, But anyway, I heard that it really inspired Walt Disney during the process of creating Disneyland. Do you know anything more about this? Are there any specific attractions that inspired him, or was it more the overall theming and the way the park operates? So while I was there, I saw some things that looked suspiciously like Small World and the Matterhorn, but I don't know if those were later attractions that were added after Walt visited. I'm sure there's also been a lot of influencing back and forth over the years between the parks. Have you ever been, and if so, what did you think? Thanks so much. Bye. You know, I have been to Tivoli Gardens and I thought the same thing. For anyone who hasn't been to Copenhagen, which is most of us, because who's regularly going to Copenhagen? I mean, by the way, go. It's incredible. Tivoli Gardens is this amusement park that is like smack in the middle of the city. It is lovely. It is like visiting a very real fantasy land. I had the most delightful time there, but it is also kind of proof that Walt Disney stole a bunch of concepts (laughs) to the point where in even looking up something about Tivoli for this episode, I went to go check something. I found the following in its Wikipedia. Apparently, the founder of Tivoli said in 1844, Tivoli will never, so to speak, be finished. Which I'm sure we all know as the what we once thought Walt Disney quote was about Disneyland, that Disneyland will never be complete. This dude who founded Tivoli said it in 1844, a year after Tivoli opened. So yeah, Tivoli opened in 1843, point Tivoli, than anything similar Walt Disney fully copied off of them. But as the story goes, Walt went here at the time when he was planning Disneyland in 1951. Uh, I think there's a lot of similarities that you can pull between the two and be like, hmm, that's intriguing. I guess because they're so far away from each other, no one ever sued each other. But Tivoli has a bunch of different rides and things, but most importantly, this wooden mountain roller coaster, which I will not dare pronounce. Uh, And they have this onboard operator who controls the speed so that you don't go downhill too fast. It is a wild experience. It is very cool, but it also kind of resembles the Matterhorn in a very, very deep way. I would look up a YouTube video of this or a video of this on YouTube if you are so inclined. Tivoli, if there's like a walkthrough video, I think it'll be like very fun to watch for anyone who likes those. But also fully this ride is uh, is the Matterhorn before the Matterhorn existed at Disneyland Resort. Is Walt Disney a fraud? I don't know. Maybe a little? Is he just like like a smart, like a smart one, like Anna Delvey? Like someone who's just like making their way through the world, just winning and uh, taking advantage of other people? I don't know. I just, I also don't know why you don't talk about this more. This is a wonderful call. But yeah, Tivoli Gardens is very much like an early version of Disneyland, except that it predates Disneyland by so much. I cannot believe, I cannot believe he even ripped off that quote. <gasps> anyway, <laughs> check it out. This is really something you got to see in images more than hearing me blab about it. But 
Oh, what a wonderful call. Thank you so much for calling. And yeah, well, Disney might have stolen the Matterhorn. Hi, Carly. This is Ellen. And Tyler. From Houston. Uh, we are going to Disneyland for two days right before New Year's to kick off our honeymoon, uh, which we're both super excited for because we're much more familiar with Walt Disney World. We love your planning guide episodes on Disneyland and plan to re-listen as we get closer to our trip. That being said, we still have a couple questions we'd like your expert opinion on. Uh, first, since we'll be there for two days, which park should we enter first? We'll arrive later and stay late on the first day and arrive early and leave earlier on the second. Second, would it be worth it to get a park hopper? In the context of the honeymoon, we're definitely willing to get Genie Plus in Lightning Lanes, but we're also looking to save money where we can. Our priorities are Rise of the Resistance, a drink at Carte Circle, and those vintage Fantasyland rides, uh, less so any parades or nighttime entertainment. Thank you so much. And give Morty a belly rub for us. Bye! Congratulations! I am so honored to help a bit with your exciting trip. Or your exciting pre-trip? I kind of want to know what's going next, but I don't want to pry. I don't want to be nosy, so I will just help you with your Disneyland plans exclusively. Now, when it comes to which park you should visit first, I'm essentially, I'm going to recommend you visit Disney California Adventure on day one and Disneyland on day two because of your tight timetable, I'm actually going to agree as well that you shouldn't do a park hopper since neither day is a full day and I really don't think you're going to get your money's worth out of it. However, the first day is going to be kind of the stickiest situation because you arrive later and stay late. And as you probably know, you can only really buy Genie Plus and individual lightning lanes once you're inside the park. So arriving later does put you at a little disadvantage for that. You will probably, because it is a busy time of year, find little to possibly no availability that day for the rides you want. But I think that's okay. There are going to be longer lines again, but DCA only really has a few key rides you absolutely must do, like Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout and especially Radiator Springs Racers. And since you're okay with staying till the end of the day or staying late and skipping nighttime entertainment, you will definitely have enough time to smush the rides you want to do into your day if you are just staying at DCA. Also, a side note, since one of your main goals is Carthay Circle, uh, love getting a drink there in the downstairs lounge. I just want to remind you to use the walk-up feature inside the Disneyland app for the Carthay Circle Lounge. You can use that to be on the wait list for a table, but if that doesn't work, if it's full, if they're like, check back to see when it's open again, just go up to the just go up to the stand and ask. Just ask if they have anything because I've asked a couple times before when I couldn't get on the list and I just inquired like, "Oh, uh, how bu- how busy is it? Should I even be hoping to get a table?" And they've been like, "We can seat you right now." And there were oodles of empty tables. So just always check in because that is a priority. I want to make sure you do whatever you can to be able to dine there. Um, I also like getting the the cheese board, the cheese board and a cocktail. Oh, I'm, I'm jealous. Now I'm jealous. I don't want to crash your honeymoon, your pre-honeymoon, but I also kind of want to. <laughs> um, but essentially my approach for you would be to kind of suffer on day one, wait it out for Disney California Adventure rides, and then spend any excess money you were going to on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane to squeeze that second day at Disneyland for all of its worth. Now, because day two is Disneyland, you're going to want to get to the park early. Like we're talking early, early. I'm not sure if you're staying at a Disney hotel, which provides an early entry benefit with access to attractions in the park prior to the official opening, but you can still enter the actual gates and hang out on Main Street. But I mentioned that, which is like a basic thing most of us know, but I mentioned it because you can, apparently I haven't done it myself because I don't get there that early. I live an hour and a half away, but 
you can buy Genie Plus and book individual Lightning Lanes for when the park opens once you scan in, even if it's that early. So it basically puts you at a slight advantage because you'll already be in the park, you can start booking your rides, and you can set up your day. If that sounds confusing, I will link to an OC Register article that explains it all way better than I did. But basically, as always, arrive earlier and you can get in a little earlier and you can be on your way. I would use individual lightning lane on Rise of the Resistance since you mentioned that is a priority. And I'm kind of about waiting it out because if you wait it out and then the ride goes down, you don't get that time back. But if you buy an individual lightning lane, you can return later on in the day when it opens again. And I would get Disney Genie Plus and use it on It's a Small World Holiday and Haunted Mansion because it will still have its Nightmare Before Christmas overlay. That's something special you can't see anywhere else. You can't see in Disney World. And I think it's a ton of fun. That way, once you book all that, you can head to Fantasyland first and do all of those rides in one fell swoop. Peter Pan will always have a long line, just keep that in mind, but it's just because it operates so freaking slowly, but it is so worth it. Also, don't miss Pinocchio. Pinocchio is so bizarre, I love it. Have the most wonderful honeymoon, and congrats again! Hey, Carly, my name's Ross. I've called in before, but um, I wanted to tell you that I happened to be in Florian Fortescue's a few months back when they were changing out one of the tubs of ice cream I happened to spot the name of the manufacturer. It's a local Orlando company called Molto, and they're an ice cream and gelato manufacturer who say they supply to a lot of the resorts in the area as well as restaurants, hotels, etc. And so that's it. That's the mystery. Great episode. Looking forward to next week. Thank you. Okay, so here's the deal. I have held on to this call for so long because I am scared to play it. I don't know if this is going to get me in trouble. I don't know uh, the legalities of people calling in hot tips about cool ice cream from theme parks on podcasts. I genuinely don't know if I can get in trouble for that. It feels like this is information I'm not supposed to know, even though I've desperately wanted to know it for many, many years. So uh, one, Universal, please don't sue me. Two, Wizarding World, please don't sue me. Three, oh my God, we finally we finally figured it out. The company behind the ice cream, the best ice cream in the theme parks. Ah! Thank you so much for calling. Ooh, this is so exciting. It finally happened. Another mini mystery solved. Hi, Carly. This is Marissa calling from Los Angeles. I love your show. I would love to hear your thoughts on Magic Band Plus coming to the Disneyland Resort. From things I've seen and read about it, I feel like the main reason I would purchase it is for fashion, um, given that you could do everything it does from your phone. Um, And then in terms of the glow with the show function, it's not nearly as cool as the ears from several years ago or that paintbrush that you could literally press a button and change the color of floats and things um, in the Paint the Night Parade. Anyways, um, I would just love to know your thoughts. Do you think you'll be buying one? How will you style it? And just do you think that there's greater potential for its functionality? And um, what do you suggest in terms of whether we should buy it or not? I can't wait to hear what you have to say. And I love your show.
<laughs> great, great questions. And honestly, you're not wrong. And now that we're at the point where you are doing so much on your cell phone, on your device while you are at Disneyland with using Disney Genie Plus and mobile ordering and individual lightning lanes and checking ride wait times and everything like that, it does feel a little, I don't want to say archaic, but like a step back that we would be buying a wristband that just kind of like glows up and does what our phone does. However, I do plan on buying one. <laughs> I'm not because not I'm a sucker, but because if you are someone who goes between Disneyland and Walt Disney World Resort often, I think it is going to be worth it because it does have more activity that you can do at Disney World in terms of charging to your room and doing typical magic band stuff at the Florida Resort. But I do think and I hope that this will prove worthy when the two new nighttime spectaculars debut at Disneyland Resort in January. I agree. Uh, I believe it was called Made with Magic, the ears that lit up. Those were cool. Those were so cool. And I loved them. And this feels a little more like just like I'm checking for emails on my Apple Watch while watching nighttime entertainment. But I'm really hoping that the integration, because they are going to be new shows, updated shows, I hope the integration with the Magic Band Plus is better with those and will prove worth it. But again, I keep saying I'm going to buy it and I haven't bought one yet, which I feel like my actions might speak more than my words as much as I do want to and plan to get one. So watch out for me getting one in January, most likely, because again, I'm going to use it no matter where I go. It's just a matter of time. Even if everything is on your phone, you don't really need it. You see what I mean? It's kind of, oh, I keep... <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. I don't know where this call is airing in this episode, but I ate a bowl of macaroni and cheese while doing this episode and I keep hitting the fork in multiple recordings. I'm very sorry. Anyway, um, I, I think it's worth it to you if, if it sounds fun. I don't know how I'm going to style it because part of the reason why I can't get one is because I can't decide which pattern I want. I used to wear either a solid black or a solid white magic band when I was in Florida. And now that there are all these options and some of them have princesses on them, it's just, it's hard for me. I feel like if it's, you're going to get something fun that glows up, I can't get a plain old solid color. So that's, I've been kind of frozen by choice and have been unable to choose. But I, I do, I do, I will get one. I will get one. I'm treating it like it's a chore, but I do want one even if there kind of is no real purpose to it because we have our cell phones. Anyway, that's my take on it. Um, I, I'd love to know if you get one, if you end up liking it or if you regret it. And yeah, watch out for me probably wearing a sleeve of them because I can't decide what to buy. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Hey, Carly, this is Sandy from Florida again. Fun fact, we're going on the Disney Wish in February, and we are longtime DCL cruisers. I've been on every ship. I'm very excited. But we are the early dining people. And more importantly, we go to the show after. You have to, right? And then we go out for a drink. Now, historically, we like the quiet, the out-of-the-way bars that don't really have a lot of people. We like to sit and chat because usually this is a family thing. Well. What's your recommendation on the Disney Wish? Where do we get the best drinks? Is Hyperspace Lounge worth it for anyone who's not a major Star Wars fan? Thanks again. Love the podcast. So you're not going to love my answer. <laughs> I have one for you, but I'm just letting you know at the top. You're not going to love it. Because essentially, 
Where you will be exiting the nightly shows out of the Walt Disney Theater will be right by the bars. So those bars will be seeing a lot of foot traffic at the exact same time you are looking to head to them and are not really the tucked away experience you are hoping for. And if you're thinking, wow, gee whiz, sounds like they really wanted to make some more money from alcohol sales. Yeah, you'd be right. They are eerily convenient to those masses exiting the theater. However, which I think I got into on the Disney Wish, Disney Wish episode, I'm all for it because I always felt a little, like, a little guilty, a little naughty going to that adult district to have a cocktail. So to each their own. However, I am very glad that you called with this question because when I was just writing everything down to prepare to give you all the information you need, I realized that they don't they don't even have the correct deck plans on the Disney Wish website. Like it hasn't been updated and they don't list the bars. So most of the other blogs that have deck plans also don't list the bar names where the bars are, which is very bizarre. I don't know if my cookies are cached or whatever, however the internet works, but I was literally was not able to find a map with the names on it. So thankfully I have been there and can lead you down the correct path. So anyway, Star Wars Hyperspace Lounge, the Bayou, which is the Tiana themed lounge, which is open and is very nice. I really like it. And Nightingales are all kind of in a cluster on deck three. And this is also where you will likely exit the show if you're not in the balcony. So depending on timing and vibe and how many people want to go get to a drink in one of these spaces, you probably won't have an opportunity to really tuck away and hang. On my sailing, we were able to find seats and able to find places to hang out and chat as a group in Nightingales and in the Bayou. But if you walk out of the show and you go, oh, no, 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 too busy, too busy, too busy, pop up to deck five for Keg and Compass, which might be less busy post-show since it's not in that general foot traffic area. They also have a great snacks menu. You have to pay for the food there, but personally, I think it's worth it. Here is where things get confusing. If you have kids with you, which I think you do because it sounds like you're going with a group as a family, on all the Disney parks, blog posts and things, they call places like the Bayou 18 and over when it's truly just a lounge fully open to both main ship walkways. I cannot imagine them kicking you out if you sit down with kids. Like, they sell beignets here. Like, they're selling donuts. They can't just not let kids enjoy this as well. But... Again, the benefit of being on the first sailing out of the gate on the Disney Wish is to be able to break news and share first looks and things like that. But the pitfall is that I have not myself yet seen this place operate fully or normally or even with the majority paying guests. So experiential details like that is where things get fuzzy. Again, I cannot imagine them shooing your family out of here. But worst case, I would grab drinks at at Nightingales or at the Bayou and then go hang out somewhere else. There are these flex spaces on the ship like Luna, which has a bar, but I think is only open for when there's events in Luna, so it might not be open then. Don't even know if the doors will be locked, but if you can sit there, that is a great place to sit and hang out. Or the coffee shop slash bars off the Grand Atrium, which again, might not be open, but those especially would be a great place to sit and hang out away from the hustle and bustle and still feel like you're in a special magical Disney space because you're right near the atrium. And don't forget, if you want a true high-end cocktail experience, you want to hang out with more of the adults on the trip, I would head to The Rose, which is outside Paulo and Enchante and is fab. That is always my favorite bar to go to. 
uh, or the version of whatever that is, whatever the Apollo bar is, whatever the Meridian, whatever the fancy bar is on the ship. I always love it, so I always recommend it. As for Hyperspace Lounge, so again, the the detriment of going on the Disney Witch too early is that I am. It's very hard to keep up with what the day to day procedures are with anything at sea if you're not there specifically. For the parks, it's much easier. For ships, it's so much harder. But apparently, as of mid September, reservations are supposedly not required for this. There were for a minute. Uh, it was very stressful to people, but now they are apparently no longer required. However. Regardless of that, if you don't end up going, unless you're a huge Star Wars head, I really don't think you've missed anything essential. It's cute and it's nice and I enjoy the space. But as someone who has experienced Star Wars in the park and beyond, I was like, "Mm, okay, cool. And then didn't find a need to hang out in there all night. My Star Wars fans did not agree with that. They spent more time in there. But still, just just putting that out there. If you don't go, it's not going to be the end of the world. As for a drink I would recommend, I believe you asked me for that. If not, I'm just going out on a limb. Order whatever appeals to you. That's my new vibe that I'm taking into the end of 2022 and 2023. I, for a story, drank my way through the entirety of Oga's Cantina, not in one sitting, don't worry. And after doing that, I feel like it really just comes down to whatever drink profile, drink flavor profile, my bad, that you you feel like you connect with and you feel like you want. You're going to like that more than some other drink that has a bunch of flavors you don't like that I'm telling you to get just to get. So order whatever you think is most appealing to you. They actually make the drinks there. They are not batched. They are batched at Oga's Cantina. So they feel like that's to me, that's like a ni- like a nicer experience. But, oh, sorry, I was eating mac and cheese and just hit the fork. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I hope you have so much fun. I hope this was helpful. Do not be confused by the maps online that have no names of the bars. And if you have any other questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks for calling. Okay, you know that feeling that everyone knows something that you don't? For me, that used to be Quince, but no more. Quince is a truly astounding retailer, essentially carrying everything a person on your mood board would wear. We're talking washable silk blouses, chic leather bags, 14 karat gold jewelry, European linen dresses, and the best part of all is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They're out here with $50 Mongolian cashmere sweaters. $50! Beautiful, timeless items you can wear and actually live in. Meaning, you don't have to be scared to bring them on your theme park travels. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you're sensitive to retailers like I am, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. But it's not just your everyday work-life clothes. They have everything. I recently joined a new gym, big deal for me, and desperately needed new workout clothes to wear there. It's kind of like an LA gym, so like it kind of got to look cute. So I ordered a pair of their ultra-form bike shorts and high-rise pocket leggings, and when I tell you, the quality of these leggings is truly on par with brands I paid three times as much for, which really kind of makes me love these three times more. I'm not only going to buy them again, but actually buy the other travel stuff in my cart because they have things like beautiful pastel suitcases for 129 bucks and these wildly affordable compression packing cubes that I have been waiting forever to buy compression packing cubes and they're always so pricey. And here, 
the price fits. So if you want to get ready for work, your new gym, travel, anything in your life, go to Quince. Quince.com slash amusing will get you free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Ooh, that's nice for someone who puts stuff off like I do. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash amusing to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash amusing. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. This is Christina from California. I'm thinking of going on my first Disney cruise this coming summer with some friends for our 30th birthday. It's probably going to be two to three couples, no kids. Since we're coming all the way from the West Coast, we want to make the most of our trip and go on one of the longer cruises, but still go to the island. So we're thinking of doing a seven-night Caribbean cruise. This particular cruise is on the fantasy. So a few things. How is the ship? Since it's our first cruise, we have nothing to compare it to. But I am a little bummed that it's not on the wish. What are the best things about this ship? Also, when picking a room location, what are the pros and cons to the three sections of the ship, as well as the floors? Where's the best location? We're thinking of going all out and getting veranda rooms with the connecting door. I'm definitely the biggest Disney fan of our group by far. So would the other not-as-big Disney fans still enjoy the cruise in the island? Thanks so much for all your advice. Love the show. I'm going to answer every question you have, but my main tip for you is going to be to use a travel agent. Use a travel agent for this trip. They are free for the most part, usually, and with what sounds like about four to six people, it will be immensely helpful for you to have someone or anyone in your group have someone to ask direct questions to, especially for a first-time cruise. Things like Boarding the ship for the first time is a little unusual. It's a very specific process to get there. And you'll want an expert in your pocket to help with that, with help with offering adult-only activities to do on the ship and other things, booking things, help, assistance, anything you need. Trust me, I have booked a Disney Cruise Line with a travel agent before. I recommend you do as well. There are many, many, many wonderful ones out there. If you are stuck trying to find one, I would head to the Facebook group. I co-run called The Fomaly. We have Travel Agent Tuesday where we have spotlighted oodles of travel agents who specialize in this. I would scroll through there and try to find one who can help because they are so useful and will make your vacation better. That said, I do have plenty of opinions about your questions and I will get to them. Uh, first things first, don't be bummed about not going on the wish. The Fantasy and the Dream, which are the two bigger ships in Disney Cruise Line's fleet compared with the Wonder and the Magic, which are smaller, they're great. The Fantasy has a better adult area than The Wish. The Wishes is like this cool, fancy pool, but it's kind of hidden. So your group will probably love the Fantasy's version of this area, especially since you are traveling without kids. 
Other things I love about the Disney fantasy include the Aqueduct water coaster, which I love. I prefer it to the one on the Disney Wish. Uh, you have Remy and Paolo, which are premium restaurants offered on board at a cost, at a surcharge, but they're a must-do. Paolo is a must-do, especially if you have this many nights in a group of adults. You will have a great time there. There are also brunch experiences offered, so I would look into that. Again, a travel agent is super helpful for stuff like this because they can book those right when they open and you don't even have to worry about it. I mean, they're hard to book, so that's why it's helpful to have a travel agent. In terms of picking a room, I'm always going to say yes to a veranda because especially if you're going for longer than three to four nights, I just it's just nice to have a little access <laughs> to air whenever you need it. But in terms of location on the ship, I'm going to be real with you. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. When I've previously had to make that decision, I left it up to my travel agent and I had to pick the best option of what was still available. I also find that personally, I like being further away from a stairwell just for any noise issues. And when I'm on a cruise, I do prefer to walk as much as possible just because then I have more room to stuff food (laughs) into my body, which is my top priority on a cruise, which I know some people, but that might not be their number one thing, but I want to walk as much as possible. I want to take the stairs as often as possible so that I can just free my body of of the space old food took up so I can put in new food. Love to eat. Love to eat. As for your question of will other non-Disney fans enjoy, I do think they will, but do keep in mind it is quite Disney. The shows are Disney. The dining is Disney. But that also means that things like the magic aboard is Disney. You get fireworks on the ship. That doesn't usually happen elsewhere. And you can watch Disney movies that are currently in theaters at the same time on the ship, which, again, very Disney. The restaurants on the fantasy, you have Enchanted Garden and Royal Court, which are pretty straightforward compared to other non-Disney cruises I've been on. And they're not as like Disney, Disney, Disney dining. You have one animator's palette, which is very Disney, but it's fun and it's interactive. And I think it's I think it's worth it. And frankly, sounds like you're the one planning it and doing all the work. So if they're not looking into one of those other cuckoo ships with sushi bars and nightclubs and who know all those other kind of things, whatever that is, if you're planning it and you want to go Disney, it sounds like everyone's going Disney. So uh, they're just going to have to deal with it. I hope you have so much fun. Have the best time. Get that travel agent. And let me know if you have any more questions. Hi, Carly. This is Ashley calling. I'm planning to take my parents on the Disney Wish for their 45th wedding anniversary, and I'm confused about the concierge rooms. What does that actually get you? Thanks. Love the podcast. Great question, actually. So I did not stay concierge on the Disney Wish, and the friends I had who did were not allowed to bring guests into the special concierge VIP area. But generally speaking, it's usually associated with the nicer room options on the ship, like one-bedroom suites, and typically has a set of perks that include a helpful on-call staff to assist with anything you may need, a private lounge that also has an outdoor sun deck that is exclusive to concierge guests, special little drinks and snacks and cocktails throughout the day at that location. And they also give you access to book things on Castaway Key and onboard dining and other things throughout the ship earlier than most other guests. Also, I have not seen this elsewhere, but a drink cart comes around and offers you free champagne, which I only know because I happen to be in the right friend's room at the right time, and I took part. But I don't know when that comes around. Uh, I think you just hope for it. It was probably, it was probably 5 p.m. It had to have been 5 p.m., but I just remember being delighted <laughs> that I was able to take part. 
However, uh, there are some additional specific and very cool perks that were mentioned in Summer Hull's story at the Point Sky, which if you're curious, I would recommend reading that as well. Um, I hadn't heard about these elsewhere, but Snake Concierge on the Disney Wish also includes expedited boarding onto the ship. You get on early. Uh, expanded room service, so you have more breakfast options. You can even order meals from the actual restaurants and have them brought to your room, which is a bit of a game changer, especially on a longer cruise. Um, though the Disney Wish doesn't really sail that long, but you get what I mean. You get free popcorn, apparently, which I would have chopped them out of house and home had I known. You can enter the nightly shows in the Walt Disney Theater early to choose your favorite seats. Love that power move. And there's express disembarkation, so you can easily, swiftly exit the ship when everyone else is leaving. In addition to, you know, those lounge, the concierge lounge and the snacks and the soda and the complimentary drinks and all of the other service-based things that you get, that's essentially what concierge is. It depends on if it's something you justify as being worth the money. I'm typically delighted just to be on the cruise and to be experiencing cruise things. I, on a Disney cruise, have never felt before like, oh, I got to get away from everyone. I feel that in the parks, so I feel pretty calm and chill on the ships, but uh, if concierge is something you can swing and something you want to do, then do it. Live your life. It sounds wonderful. If you end up doing that, have so much fun. And if you don't have fun, you'll have fun anyway. You're on a Disney cruise. You're going to have a great time. Hey, Carly, this is Grant from Tampa. And I have a question. If you had to make a churro for every land in Disney Magic Kingdom, what would each churro be? Thank you. Grant, what a brilliant question! So, for churro flavors in Magic Kingdom, in Tomorrowland, I would make a galactic silver churro dusted with silvery sugar and rolled or drizzled in an icing that was mixed with astronaut ice cream. I know, astronaut ice cream is still a silly little food that a lot of people, including myself, like to buy at museums and things, but I still think it would be the perfect quintessential Tomorrowland churro. In Adventureland, I would, uh, I'm thinking I would do a kaffir lime and lemongrass churro. I think those flavors are so strong and so good and you never see them in the parks. And they'd play really well on a churro as well. In Fantasyland, this one I actually found to be tricky because, I don't know, I feel like it should be light and airy and fantasy-like. So I'm going to suggest a play on a lemon meringue. So maybe a lemon curd, a tart lemon churro with a fluffy lemon meringue or just a fluffy meringue dipping sauce. Over in Frontierland, I really want to do a savory churro. I really do. I really do. So I'm thinking maybe a, a barbecue churro, but with the flavor profile of like a barbecue Pringles chip. So not too heavy, just lightly dusted. I honestly think that sounds delicious. I think it would be divine. And I would happily order that. I'd happily spend money on that. Liberty Square. When I think of Liberty Square food, I think of, I know it's cliche, but I think of Thanksgiving dinner. And maybe because I've been living off our Thanksgiving leftovers, I'm very much in a Thanksgiving headspace. The easy option here would be an apple pie churro with maybe an apple compote dipping sauce or an apple caramel dipping sauce, but I'm going to switch it up because we're just having fun here. I'm going to do whatever I want, and it's going to be a cranberry sugar-dusted churro with kind of a whipped cream dipping sauce. I feel like the whipped cream, like the dipping sauce can be plain. You just want a little something sweet. Just want a little something sweet. 
And as for Main Street USA, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I, oh, I'm going to import the potato churro they have at Tokyo Disney Resort, which is basically like one big long potato stick. <laughs> it's delicious. Um, and I will serve that dusted with sea salt and served with the good nacho cheese, the nacho cheese I love. I gotta go get a snack, because after uh, thinking about all these, I'm now desperately hungry for a treat. But thank you so much for this call! Oh, what a joy to answer this one. Hi, Carly, this is Doug from New Jersey. Uh, But I grew up in South Florida and went to Disney um, twice a year until I was old enough to be like, ah, Universal Studios is better. But that's not the point. Um, I'm bringing my daughter to Disney World for the first time, um, and I'm incredibly excited for it, and want to take her to something that my parents took me to, uh, which was we would go to the Grand Floridian, and we'd go to a restaurant and have a drink called a Purple Penguin. And I've thought about it my entire life, one of my favorite memories, and I looked it up, and I can't find what restaurant had the Purple Penguin drink, or if they even still have the Purple Penguin drink. Um, so my question is, where is it? Can I find it? Do they still have it? What was in the drink? Can I make it at home? I guess it's a lot of questions. Um, but that's what I'm thinking of. And thank you so much for, uh, for the podcast. It's great to listen to it and really kind of ignite my love for, for Disney World and, and amusement parks and just, uh, thanks. So here's the deal with the Purple Penguin. I am certain there are people out there listening to this who absolutely know what you're talking about, which is why I had to play this on the Churros Hotline episode, because I know someone out there is going to intimately know the details all about this. However, I am newer to this. I've been doing this for less than a decade, so I don't have the long knowledge that a lot of core Disney fans have. However... When I Googled Purple Penguin, I found a story from the Orlando Sentinel in 2021 about uh, the redesigned reopening of Citricos. And this was the caption on one of the images. A bartender pours a purple penguin, which includes pineapple, peach, lemon, lavender, grenadine, and topped with house-made seltzer, one of the zero-proof cocktails at the reimagineered Citrico's restaurant at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa at Walt Disney World. So... That is from 2021. I am guessing you are likely still able to order this. This uh, zero-proof drink basically uh, sounds delicious. Uh, Lemon and lavender and grenadine and peach. Oh my gosh, this does sound great. I don't know if that's the one. I don't know if that's a reincarnation of it, if they just honored the name with a new drink. But if anyone knows, please call in so I can connect and get the answer. Otherwise, this seems like the closest closest we'll get. And thank you, Orlando Sentinel, for having top-notch visual captions. Wow. 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 Hopefully this helps a little. Otherwise I will do my best to get you as much purple penguin information as I can going forward. Thank you for calling. Hi Carly. This is Kayla from Queens, New York. Um, I just want to say I love your mom. Um, always been a big fan. And this last episode, I was just smiling the whole time that she was talking, leaving her message. Um, I'm curious if when your mom asks, questions during her voicemail messages do you then call her and answer her like did you call her up and be like mom the black pearl is from pirates of the caribbean it's a giant pirate ship or like do you just let it lie and not acknowledge what she talks about in the mail messages curious about that 
Also, I agree we should get another Carly and Mom podcast episode. Give the people what they want, Carly. Um, now, I called in for an actual question, which is my family went to Walt Disney World for the 50th on the actual 50th in October. We saw you there. It was so lovely to talk to you while we were taking pictures in front of the castle at the end of the night. But we're wondering what to expect as far as the 100th anniversary goes. I know you said that it's really going to be central at Disneyland in California. But do you think there's going to be anything happening? I believe it's October 16th, 2023 will be the 100th anniversary. It's like a Tuesday is that a day that my family should try to be in Walt Disney World for? Or do you think that just at any point during the celebrations over the next year, it'll be worth going? All right. Let me know again. Love your podcast. Love your mom. Bye. I just have to say, I am so grateful for whenever you guys appreciate my mom's calls. That is something we did not plan on for the podcast. It truly happened organically. And I'm so grateful that you all appreciate her as much as I do. That said, I never, ever, 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 ever correct her or interfere with her recordings. I never tell her what to say. I'm truly uninvolved. I don't like to influence them. I like them to live on their own as their own IP. And mom, I I love you. I know you're listening to this for a fact. Um, Sometimes you can get a couple details wrong, but I think it's sweet. So I never correct you. I never call her after. And I'm like, actually, this was the name of that. I, I just think it's I think it's nice to let it live the way it the way it is. And also, I call things by the wrong name sometimes. And so this way, it's like if I don't call her out, then maybe I won't get called out, even though I deserve to get called out if I get the names wrong. Anyway, I'm not here to edit her work. She works very hard on them. And I appreciate her is my only unpaid employee <laughs> um, contributing to the podcast each and every single week. And I will say my mom would love uh, nothing more than to get back on the podcast. But I feel like to have her on an episode, like a f- more full episode, I got to take her somewhere to make that happen. I don't have any plans to do that yet. So uh, I expect the voicemail after this episode will be her begging me to take her on a trip. <laughs> so which I'm happy to do, but just wanted just wanted to explain the full spectrum of why she hasn't been back on for a Q&A. Um, that said, just switch gears to the other half of the call. I'm so glad we could say hello at the 50th, by the way. Uh, and I adore that you are a fellow future planner and are curious about what lies ahead because I want to clarify the whole Disney 100 Disneyland thing. So Disney, the Walt Disney Company's 100th anniversary, also called 100 Years of Wonder, actually launches at the start of next year, separate from Disneyland. If you go to Disney.com slash Disney 100, you will see there it is this landing page. It begins January 1st. Now, more details are to come. I'm sure I don't know much beyond that. I just know that January 1st is actually the start date for this company-wide celebration and initiative. The kickoff at Disneyland isn't the kickoff. It's the kickoff at Disneyland. It's kind of like Disneyland's portion of it, if that makes sense. And that will come on January 27th, 2023. Or according to the countdown on uh, Disneyland.com, Disney.go.com slash 100th dash anniversary. Yes, there's a drop site for this, which I didn't realize. There's a countdown on there that it is less than 60 days from now. So not the end of the year, but like pretty close to it. And on that January 27th date, around that time, that will be when Wondrous Journeys and World of Color 1 debut, the new nighttime shows at Disneyland, 
Making Minnie's Runaway Railway will open in the Toontown portion of Disneyland with the rest of Toontown opening a little bit later, as well as with Magic Happens returning a little bit later. Now, the reason I gave you that uh, convoluted URL is because they have details about a Platinum Mickey sipper and a Platinum Mickey popcorn bucket, which I likely missed the memo on because I don't really cover that stuff. I'm full up on popcorn buckets. But if that interests you, I would just head there because I hadn't really seen that before or paid attention to it. And it's Mickey with little silver shoes. And it's it's kind of cute. It's kind of cute. I'm not going to lie. As for the October date, honestly, I that's not something I'm going to know about yet. If I hear anything about it, I will share it. But the truth is, I wouldn't I don't I don't know if they're going to do that much of anything. I mean, just considering that the recent Epcot anniversary was really subdued, even prior to the hurricane hitting right before it, uh, there was really not much, not much planned, not much really that was happening in honor of it. It was pretty low key. So um, Disney 100, again, is company wide. So I don't know how big the in-park presence will be on that date. I don't know if it'll just be like silver ice cream bars. Who knows? But stay tuned and I will update you whenever I hear. Thank you so much for calling and thank you again for appreciating my mom. I really do appreciate it. I'm so grateful. Hello, Carly here. I just wanted to chime in and let you know the next call is debatably highly not recommended for children listening. If they are in the room, if you are in the room with them, et cetera, et cetera. I'm trying to talk slowly so that if you hear this, you are now paying attention and can get back to your phone to fast forward if need be. I would fast forward about four-ish minutes. I will place this towards the end of the episode so you will not miss too much of other calls, but I had to play it because it is Oh, this is the reason we have a Churros Hotline. However, it is not appropriate for younger children as there are themes of um, dark things that happen at Disney parks. Uh, Skip ahead if that is not applicable for whoever is listening to this on your end. Otherwise, stick around because, oh boy. Hi, Carly. My name is Katie. Um, I have called you thrice today because... (laughs) Third time calling in the past probably hour. Um, I left you two other voicemails when I was out for a run, but I needed time to gather my thoughts, and this is the take. This is the one. So I am a former Disney College program participant, and I also used to work in Liberty Square during that time. I have done two behind-the-scenes tours of Haunted Mansion and have kind of some inside scoops that I wanted to tell you. Um, your episode last week where you talked about people scattering their loved, wa- loved one's remains on Haunted Mansion. Um, on at least one of the tours that I was on, they talked about how it happens fairly frequently and how due to the air ventilation, how they pump the air conditioning in that ride, a lot of times people try to scatter ashes and they just get caught in the breeze and they end up on dune buggies on people, families, guests, uh, yeah. I also remember them saying it's kind of like a hazmat issue because it is human remains. I want to make sure I'm being sensitive about this because obviously there are people who have done this with the best intentions and it's just not turned out great. And this is human remains. So I've heard stories of they have to shut down the ride, they have to clean off the vehicles, also because... When they scatter, they do have a big black light, uh, obviously because everything's in the dark, that it's, like, pretty obvious that there is stuff 
everywhere. So I've heard of, um, you know, buying families whole new outfits, buying them new park tickets, sending them home to the hotels and being like, I'm so sorry, please take a shower. <laughs> um, I think that's all I got for you. I just want to make sure I'm being sensitive about human remains because it's a sensitive topic, but there's some more inside scoop for you. Thanks. Bye. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, too, I appreciate your call. I appreciate your detail about being sensitive towards the fact that these are human remains. I, my shock is, uh, is more of the aftermath, not in, in particular in correspondence to that. Uh, I cannot believe that the airflow would do that because clearly anyone who is going as far as to break rules and spread human remains within a theme park attraction is doing so, I would say, from a place of love. I assume their intention is to honor that person and probably their many happy memories they have spent with them at a Disney park and not to ruin a family's day. I don't think that is anyone's intention at all. But oh my lord, that is... Whoo! Ooh, ooh, that would be uh, uh really not really bad, really. Ba- oh wow, I truly I'm speechless. I uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, thank you for calling. I appreciate that I now have this knowledge, and uh, I will definitely be keeping my mask on in dark rides for the rest of my life. Thank you. And uh, we always, uh, we always welcome stories like this. We always welcome tips like this because, wow. Oh, wow. Just not, just, oi, oi. Wow. Thank you for calling. Oh, my God. Ah! That's our show! Thank you all so much for listening, and thank you to each and every person who has called the Churros hotline or sent along a note. I am so grateful for you. I'm so sorry we weren't able to play all of them, but I do want to shout out a handful of calls we weren't able to play, but deserved being mentioned, including Teresa calling about Wisconsin Dells. Courtney about Sassy Mickey Mouse. Aisha, who called with some improvement suggestions to the Disneyland app, which I fully agree with. Alyssa, who is frustrated by Disney's spelling of amok on all the Hocus Pocus merchandise. I agree. Bria, a shout out to your kid who has impeccable taste and great podcast listening comprehension and now requires a Matterhorn macaroon on every visit. Respect. I love that. A special thank you to Carrie for following up and letting us know that the pickle pizza at the Minnesota State Fair was a 10 out of 10. Matt Mason, Nebraska's state poet, who sent us some wonderful words about H2O's product line going away, which I'm still sad about. Oh my gosh. Rosemary, who called about what they would have liked to see return to the Disney parks, including the World According to Goofy Parade, which, oh, there are photos of it on Yesterland. You got to check it out. It's good. Thank you for talking to me about that. Janelle, who wondered about when ideas go away, even blue sky ones. Jordan from Phoenix, who mentioned how weird it was that we didn't hear anything about Tarzan's treehouse at D23 Expo. We now do have news about that, thankfully, so that has been rectified. We also got... A bunch of calls about incredible firsthand memories, like Lauren from South Carolina, who shared that their mom was so terrified of them getting kidnapped <laughs> at the theme parks that they made a little ID booklet 
and then used it as an autograph booklet. And also there's one other anecdote I'm not even going to share because it'll give my mom some very intense overprotective future ideas that I, I don't want her to know about. Um, I want to thank Andy for providing a heads up and suggestion of a disclaimer that Drawn to Life includes or involves themes of parental loss, which I never thought to mention and I greatly appreciate. Oh my gosh. And we had Ashley offering up a mini mystery. Ashley's grandma, who sadly has since passed, had two dreams for a Disney World vacation, to meet Mickey Mouse and to get a picture of an orange tree. And Ashley would love to try to figure out the latter. If anyone knows if there is an orange tree anywhere on property at Walt Disney World, give me a call, give me a text. I would love to pass that information along. And a very special thank you to Sarah, who I already texted with directly, but had asked about if there would be ECV rentals available at nighttime at Disneyland for Oogie Boogie Bash. Yes, we are very behind on calls, but I talked to Sarah during that time. Uh, It ends up, for anyone wondering, they were sold out at the start of the event. They were available later, which they let Sarah know about, but sold out at the start, which is important to know, and I wanted to share. Again, thank you all for calling, and for even the people I didn't mention here, I am so appreciative. You can rate, review, and follow Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts. You can rate and follow us on Spotify. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. You can also give us a call, as this episode has proven, at 747churros, so we can play your call on a future show. You can also send that as a voice note. You can text it over to 747churros or email it to 747churros at gmail.com. If you want to, I don't know, sport a little very amusing this holiday season, head over to very-amusing.com for hats, for clothes, for all the merchandise, for all ages, really. We got it all. You can follow me at Carly Wiesel on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and you can join the family at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. This episode was edited studiously by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, sweetness, it's mom. Um, I just wanted to start off by saying thank you to everyone who left me the sweetest happy birthday wishes last week. You're so kind and so loving. It really made my day so special. Okay, for today's episode, this Griffin guy, he is amazing. And I'm so excited for this week's episode because I love Enchanted. And I started not knowing that you were doing this last Wednesday very amusing podcast with Griffin. I started watching Disenchanted on my Disney Plus a few days ago without even knowing about the podcast. You keep really good secrets, honey. But Griffin said 8 million people suggested to go on your very amusing podcast, which made me so excited. I love that. So cool. I think Griffin is funny, and I loved hearing about the movie and the stories about the acting and matching with the character Pip, uh, Chipmunk Carly. <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasn't going to do that, but I couldn't help myself. And the early stages of filming is so fascinating to me. The best story, I could not believe it, is that Griffin, who's never met Amy Adams, met her at a bat mitzvah from production from whoever was having the bat mitzvah. And I thought that was such a great story. So funny, so good. And they give away hooded sweatshirts now. I mean, I did T-shirts and little goodie bags. But hooded sweatshirts, very nice, very nice. I enjoyed today's podcast so, so much. Griffin is a hoot, has the best stories. The two of you together is awesome. It was so much fun to listen to. I love you, 
And until next week, this unpaid employee will see you then. I love you. Bye.